Good morning, church. How are we doing? Um, so my name is Blake. I am the youth intern here. I have been for the past three years. And thanks, you guys. Um, and I'm leaving soon, which is a bummer. <laughs> um, I, in two weeks, I just graduated from Manhattan Christian College. And um, in two weeks, I am leaving to go to Lincoln, Illinois to pursue a Master's of Divinity. Um, so... This is kind of my farewell tour. Um, I get to preach one more time, and that's really exciting. And I'm really pumped for the message um, that God has in store for us today. Um, But I just want to take this opportunity to thank all of you, um, and to thank the youth, and to thank Natalie. Um, This has been an awesome church home for the past four years, and um, it's kind of cool, but also really terrible how hard it is to say goodbye. Um, because um, since it's so hard, it just means that there's been a lot of really awesome relationships that have been created. Um, So thank you guys for being an awesome church. Thank you for being so supportive. And thank you um, for helping me grow up as a minister. And um, it's just been really cool to watch the youth grow and to watch them um, grow into the awesome people that they are today. Um, So thank you for that. Um, Also, huge shout out to everybody who helped with VBS. Um, VBS was awesome, and it was insanely hot, and there was so much energy in here, but it was a really, really good week. Um, The Holy Spirit for sure moved. Um, There are definitely lives that were impacted for the kingdom, and um, it was was madness, but it was awesome. So if you helped with that, thank you so much. Um, We couldn't have done it without you. You made a kingdom impact, and that's huge. Um, So thank you for doing that. Um, So we are in the middle of a series over the Ten Commandments, and we are on week eight, so we are on commandment number eight, and this commandment is do not steal. So it's kind of ironic that I got handed this, um, (laughs) that I got handed this law, this commandment, because Truth be told, I think thieves are actually really cool. Um, I really like um, like Robin Hood, that idea. Robin Hood is so cool, and I love the cartoon Robin Hood. That's so fun. Great movie. I also love the Oceans movie, Oceans 11, Oceans 12, Oceans 8. Um, there's like a redneck Oceans where they steal from NASCAR called Logan Lucky. Um, all of those are super cool, and they're really, really intriguing, and they're fun, and I think it's... I don't know, cool and satisfying to watch them steal and then like do all the things to get away from everyone. And it's super cool. And so I have always felt that way. And in high school, it's kind of funny, right after I got saved, I gave my life to Jesus my sophomore year. And then like five months later, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take up pickpocketing. And so I started learning how to pick people's pockets (laughs) and I never stole anything. I never like actually kept it, but it was just kind of like a fun prank. Um, It was really easy in choir because it's just like a gimme because you're so close together on those risers that if people had their wallets in their back pockets or if they um, had like athletic shorts, it's so easy. And so what I would always do is I'd take their pocket or I'd pick their pocket, take their wallet or their keys or whatever, and then just throw it on the ground and be like, oh, you dropped this. And they'd be like, thank you. I'd be like, you're welcome. (laughs) Too easy. And so I got really into pickpocketing, never stole anything, but I like, it was just, I think thieves are cool and I think pickpocketing is cool. So I got into that. So look out. Um, (laughs) um, But, uh, 
the commandment to not steal is an also a really interesting one because it's not just a Christian commandment. This is a commandment that is not unique to Christians at all. In fact, if you go anywhere that has an established government, I almost guarantee you do not steal is one of their laws. Uh, just because it's needed to have a society that runs well. So this isn't a completely Christian command, and it's one that's kind of beaten into us because there's really strong accountability um, from the government to make sure that we don't steal. If you steal, you go to jail. If you do grand theft auto, you will get caught and you will go to jail. So there is this outside force that's stopping us from stealing. So I think a lot of times we will look at this commandment and be like, check, check, don't do that one. Church was a waste of time today. I already knew that, Blake. Um, But really, there's a lot that goes into stealing, and there's a lot behind it. And sometimes stealing sneaks its way into our lives in ways that we don't really see or isn't really obvious to us, or we just make excuses for. So we all know, like, shoplifting is stealing. Check. Know that one. It's bad. Don't steal from Walmart. Don't do it. Um, but something that sometimes we kind of make excuses for is like at work, we'll just kind of snag a bagel, even though like you're really supposed to pay for them, but no one really does. And so like, they don't even know that it's gone and ah, whatever. Well, that's still stealing. Um, even things stealing like pens, office supplies, stuff like that. Just that little petty theft is still part of this commandment. And it goes deeper than that. Um, plagiarism. If you, this is really huge for college kids, if you take someone else's ideas and claim them for yourself, that's stealing. That's stealing their intellectual property. And so you're not allowed to do that. Plagiarism can be theft, is theft. Um, I think that if you are blatantly overcharging someone for a service, if you are taking advantage of someone's ignorance and overcharging them on something to make a ridiculous profit, I think that's kind of a form of stealing. If you are at a position where you set the prices and you say, this is what it costs, but I'm going to charge you this amount extra, that's kind of stealing. You're not being honest and you are taking advantage of people who don't know any better or who can't help it. So that's kind of stealing. Even things like um, not being completely truthful on your taxes can be stealing, stealing from the government. Um, Jesus says to give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. So when we cheat on our taxes or when we kind of fluff the numbers on TurboTax or whatever, when we do stuff like that, we are stealing from the government because God put the government over us and so we have to respect it. So when we are kind of shady with our taxes, we're stealing from the government. Not only that, but there is a honestly, really scary passage in Malachi chapter three that says that if you're not tithing, you're actually stealing from God. Yikes. If you're not tithing, you're actually stealing from God. That feels bad. That doesn't, that doesn't sit well. And I'm not doing this. I'm not saying this so that we have a really hefty tithe this week. I'm not trying to guilt you into giving more money to the church. But what I am trying to show you is that stealing is sneaky and it sneaks its way into our lives and we can make excuses for it and we can um, ignore all that we want, but it's there. It's still there. So I could preach a sermon about all the ways we're not supposed to steal. I could go to all the minutia. I could go to all the different little ways that we steal and say, stop it. 
No more stealing. Don't do it. Um, but we all know not to steal. Cognitively, we're there. Don't steal. Check. We understand that. But there's a heart issue behind stealing that needs to be addressed for the problem to truly go away. Because at the end of the day, God isn't concerned about making a bunch of people who are really good at following rules. He doesn't care. God is not concerned about making a bunch of people who are really good at following rules. He is concerned about making a people who are recreated to look like Jesus. God doesn't care if we can follow rules all day. What he wants is for us to be transformed from the inside out by the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit to look like Jesus. And that's what he cared about. So the heart behind the issue is what it is. The heart behind the issue is what we're truly dealing this dealing with, with this commandment. So today we are going to move um, from stealing or a lack of contentment with what we have to being content with what we have, and then to generosity from there. That's our end goal is generosity. So I believe that stealing, the heart behind the issue of stealing is that stealing comes from a lack of contentment with the things that we currently have. I don't feel good about whatever I have. I don't feel good about my stuff. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I'm going to forcefully or sneakily take your stuff so that I have more stuff. If we are, un, if we are not content with the things that we currently have, then stealing will be a temptation because that's the heart behind the issue. So Jesus addresses how we are supposed to or what we are supposed to do with our possessions or how we are supposed to be contented with our possessions in Matthew chapter 6, which is where we're going to be planted today. Matthew chapter 6, there are Bibles on either side of the auditorium. If you want to go grab one of them, Um, if not, go ahead and look it up on your phone. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. So Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' inaugural sermon. It's a big deal. Um, He gets Uh, This is how he is kicking off his ministry with the Sermon on the Mount. So, um, and one of the very first things he says, um, dead set in the middle of the uh, sermon, he says in Matthew 6, verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, Jesus says that we cannot let possessions have a hold of our hearts. We cannot let the stuff that we have here um, drag our hearts down to stay on earth. Um, We need to be in control of our possessions rather than letting our possessions have control over us. And if we are willing to steal steal from someone else because we want more possessions, then we seriously need to take a look at um, how much of a hold our possessions have on our lives and whether um, we are truly relying on Christ or whether we are worrying about our possessions um, to keep a hold of us. And so at the end of the day, I think all of us struggle with valuing our possessions because it's really easy to do because they're ours. We spent money on it. And um, not only that, but our culture and the world around us just is constantly bombarding us with the message that we need more. We are always, 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 we can't do 
we can't watch anything. We can't go anywhere without seeing a billboard. We can't do anything without being bombarded by ads that say, if you just buy this, then you'll be happy. If you just look this way, then you'll be happy. If you just do this one thing, if, the, if you just get this one subscription, then you'll be happy. And all day, we are fed the lie that our stuff is what makes us happy or the things that we have make us happy. When at the end of the day, it's never true. We are fed this lie from the world that says, if you just have this thing, then you will be happy. It's really crazy because it seems like the people who rely on possessions to make them happy, the more and the more stuff that they have, the less happy they truly are, the less content they truly are. The people who are really worrying about the things that they have to bring them contentment, the more and more they get, the less and less content they are because there's always something else to buy. There's always something newer, always something better. There is always something there. So even if you don't steal, we all value or we all struggle with valuing our possessions. We all want the newest phone, the newest car, the newest computer, whatever it is. And even if you don't want the newest, where I fall into this trap is I just want a newer blank. I really want a newer car because my car gets really bad gas mileage and I'm wasting money. Or if I just had like two generations better of an iPhone, then I would be happy. Or like if I could just have this newer game or this newer pair of shoes or this newer whatever, then I will be happy. And you're constantly reaching and reaching. And when you finally get something, there's a newer or a new est thing. And then you have to reach for that too. It's a never ending cycle that we all fall into. It's super easy. Um, so we all struggle with valuing possessions. My very first car was an 04 Nissan Altima and it was cool. I really, really liked that car. I was blessed by getting a pretty nice car for my first car and it was silver and it was zippy and it had good gas mileage and there was a good stereo on it and I felt good driving that car. When I went to school, I was like, oh yeah. I would roll up and be like, mm, I look good in this car. Yeah, King of Bueller right here. So, um, but one day <laughs> I was driving and a deer jumped on my hood while I was going 40 miles an hour. I got hit by a deer. And you would think that every instinct in the animal kingdom would tell that deer not to jump towards the piece of metal hurtling 40 miles an hour down the road, but this deer jumped on my hood, ripped off the bumper, stamped, like punched my engine or whatever, caused a bunch of different problems. And so my car was super donezo and um, I couldn't drive the car anymore. So instead of having my super cool silver Nissan Altima, I got my grandpa's classic Cadillac that was like <laughs> weird shade of brown that looked pink if you just looked at it just right and there's a huge dent in the side with like the paint worn off and I was mad about it. I was not pumped. I didn't realize how much of myself I had put into this car until I lost it and I had to drive this 
boat that only took premium gas and got terrible gas mileage. And so instead of being zipping around, being the 04 Ultima guy, all of a sudden I was like embarrassed to park my gigantic car anywhere because it was super ugly and barely had a radio. Yeah, it was a bummer. So I put a lot of my identity in that car and I was really, really upset when I lost it. And I began to, like, I remember fighting my parents hard over it um, because I wanted a better car. I wanted to have this identity as somebody who could roll up in a cool looking car. And I lost that. So I put my identity in that possession. And then when I lost it, it hurt way harder. It hurt a lot. It hurt who I was. And so I think it's really interesting how we can come to church and we can sing, Christ is enough. Christ is enough for me. Christ is everything I need. I don't need anything else, just Jesus. Christ is enough for me. But sometimes I think we kind of just lie through our teeth. Is Christ truly enough for you? Or is it Christ plus my Netflix? Because what else are you supposed to do when I get home? Like, Netflix is awesome. Or is it Christ plus this brand new computer because it would help my work and then I would be able to do all these cool things and like if I could have Jesus but then also this new computer, then I would be, then I would have enough. Or is it Christ plus my Amazon Prime account? Because not only do I need everything within a couple clicks, but I need it two days, two days from now. Amazon Prime, free shipping, two day shipping. And sometimes we say Christ is enough And we say that he's everything we need. And we say that he is the thing when truly we lump Jesus in with all the other stuff. And instead of becoming the thing, he becomes a thing along with all of the other stuff around us. Instead of Christ being truly everything we need and finding our worth and finding our substance in Jesus We choose to add Jesus to the list of stuff that we want. And we say, oh yeah, I go to church because sometimes I get cool goosebumpy feelings, but then like, I really also need all of this other stuff along with it. And we're not truly content with what we have and Christ truly isn't enough. And we just use Christ. We just use God as this emotional bump, just like we do when we do retail therapy just like when we do when we go buy stuff just to make ourselves feel better. And Christ becomes a quick shot of warm fuzzies rather than truly who we are basing our substance and our life off of. So is Christ truly enough for you or is he just one among many other things that we use as a crutch? Now, I'm not saying that all of these things are bad. Please do not hear me say that. I have a Netflix account. I mooch off of my parents' Amazon Prime account. It's a thing. Um, For sure, have stuff, and it's really important. But if your possessions start to have control over you, if you start feeling, if you start identifying with the stuff that you have, and especially if you start valuing possessions so much that you feel the need to take others' possessions, that's when we have a problem. That's when our identity gets wrapped up in what we have rather than who we are as a beloved child of God. And we become something that we were never meant to be. So possessions are not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but they are something that can lead to a bad. 
I think sometimes we're presented with opportunities around us to love other people and we're presented with opportunities to go serve or to go minister to people around us, but we're so busy with all of our stuff or our toys that we completely miss it. There are hurting people all around us in Manhattan and yet we can binge watch a Netflix series and spend eight hours in front of the TV. There are opportunities to serve everywhere around us, but sometimes we can miss them because we're so busy um, tinkering with our car or making our house better or doing whatever that we just miss it. I think sometimes God throws us opportunities to build his kingdom in our lap, but we're so busy watching Stranger Things that we completely miss it. We have to be on, we have to be on guard, ready to go when God calls us to minister. And I think sometimes we hide behind our stuff. And instead of being worried about how we can serve and love other people, um, we just get focused on what we have and the fun that we can have with that stuff rather than the kingdom impact we could be making. So what if we were truly content with what we had? What if we were truly people who said, Christ is enough for me and meant it? What if Christ truly was our substance in everything that we pulled our life from? What if that were true? I said earlier that God is not worried about making people who can follow rules. God is worried about making people who are recreated to look like Jesus. And if Christ truly is enough for us, and if we truly are trying to look like Jesus, then stealing won't even be a temptation. If Christ truly is everything to us, if Christ truly is all that we need, then all of the other stuff will just be extra. We just won't need it. And because we don't need it, it'll be easier to give away. I like to think about it like this. If I am very hungry and I have a medium boneless half mega habanero, half Parmesan garlic, extra wet boneless wings from Buffalo Wild Wings with ranch on the side, Um, and you get in the way of me and my wings, we will have a problem. I will fight you. Um, But if I am full and I still have just as much food, but if I'm full and I'm content with where I'm at, then it's really easy for me to give it away. Even if I have a whole table full of food, if I'm full, then I am eager to give that away because I have what I need and therefore I give out of my abundance. It's the same thing with Jesus. If we are truly content with what Jesus gives us, and if we truly are people who say Christ is enough for us and we mean it, then everything else is extra. If we are full of the bread of life, like Jesus says he is, then everything else is just extra. And so it should be really easy to give away. So we're supposed to move from stealing to contentment. But then if we are truly contented with what we have, we will naturally flow right into generosity. True contentment gives birth to generosity. If you are truly content with the things that you have, then generosity should be something that's relatively easy for you to do because you are simply giving out of your abundance. So the move from stealing to contentment is one that's kind of tough. It requires a lot of manual things. It requires a lot of life change. And um, if you want to know how to do that, Jared in two weeks is going to preach a whole sermon just on being content. 
and he's actually preaching on a passage where Paul says that he has found the secret to being content in all circumstances. So if you want to know how to make the manual move from stealing or being not content with what you have into contentment, then shameless plug. Show up two weeks from now, Jared's going to knock it out of the park and it's going to be awesome. But the move from contentment to generosity is one that should flow naturally. True contentment gives birth to generosity and generosity is the goal. I think sometimes we get really into this defensive position where we feel like the Christian life is to go to church and then to just not sin. And we try to throw up these walls and we have these shields and we're like, I just don't want to sin. I just don't want to sin. And we're immobilized by trying not to sin when that's not what the Christian life is. We are called to not just not sin. We are called to actively love people in the name of Jesus and to actively build the kingdom of heaven. We're not called to just not sin. We are called to love and we are not called to not just not steal. We're called to give. And so giving is our goal. Giving is the bar. Giving is the bar that's set. In Ephesians 4, Paul says, um, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Giving is the goal. That's where the bar is set. It's not an optional. It's not extra credit. That's the goal. Paul says, let him work so that for the purpose of, in order that he can give to the person in need. We are all called to be generous. Every single one of us, no matter our circumstances, are called to generosity. Now, unfortunately, um, generosity, especially in the church world, can sometimes be translated to just give us more of your money. And sure, giving money is really important. Please tithe. It's a huge deal, not only for us because it keeps the church running, but um, it helps just, it's a spiritual discipline that helps us um, keep control over our materialism. Um, but um, tithing is not just, or giving money is not the only thing of generosity. That's a, just a facet of what it means to be truly generous. We can be generous with our money, yes, but there are tons of other ways that we can be generous as well. Um, we can be generous with our stuff. When was the last time you actually gave somebody something that was yours when they had a need for it? When was the last time somebody, um, you actually gave them your clothes or you actually gave them your couch when they needed a place to crash or you actually gave them something that was yours so that it could fill a need? I think sometimes we think that my stuff is mine and it's irresponsible to give it away when truly we are called to be generous with our money and with our stuff. Not only that, but we're called to be generous with our time Seriously, every single one of us is called to volunteer somewhere. Every single one of us is called to give our time and every single one of us is called to be active in our communities, loving people in the name of Jesus. That's where the bar is set. So if you aren't already, find somewhere to volunteer and go love people in the name of Jesus. Volunteer at the emergency shelter. Volunteer at Flint Hills Bread Basket. Volunteer at Boys and Girls Club. Whatever it is, find somewhere you're passionate about and volunteer there. Go make a difference in the name of Jesus so that when people see that you're acting different from the rest of the world, they will ask you questions to open the door to share the gospel with them. That is what our goal is. If you call yourself a 
Christian, if you say Jesus is Lord, every single one of us is called to be a minister, no matter what your job is. We are all called to actively minister and to actively love people in the name of Jesus, even if you never, ever, ever preach a sermon for the whole rest of your life. Even if you never, ever work at a church, Every single one of us, if we call ourselves Christians, is called to minister. So go out into your communities and minister. There's a really, really good way that we can do that right here. Kids View always needs helpers. So go help in Kids View. It's so easy. You are cool just because you're older than them. So go serve. Um, Go serve and go love those kids and make an impact for the rest of their life because it really, truly does make a difference when they have somebody who they know loves them. Not only that, um, but we are called to be generous with our space. There is a huge need for people to be involved in the foster care system. We just, CIY had a huge push for that this year, and that is awesome. But it's insane how much of a need there is in the foster care system. There are over 400,000 kids in foster care in the U.S. alone. 400,000 kids. And 5,000 of those kids are in Kansas. 5,000 Kansas kids do not have a home. 5,000 Kansas kids are part of the system and 5,000 kids just need somebody to love them and just need somebody to value them and just need somebody to tell them about Jesus and to help them turn their life around. Some of these kids are just passed around their whole life and they begin to believe that they're worthless when they are truly not. So they need us to go out there and pour into them. They need Christians. They need Jesus. They need Crestview to go out and serve them and to be, and to welcome them into our family. 5,000, um, 5,000 kids in the foster. No, I'm so sorry. 50%. (laughs) Wow. 50% of kids in the foster care system won't graduate high school or get a GED because they're just behind. A third of the boys in foster care will be incarcerated before they're 21. A third. Um, 25% of children in foster care will experience real post-traumatic stress disorder. That is just under what um, veterans of U.S. wars experience. 25% of kids in Kansas are experiencing PTSD from the foster system. And 25% of foster kids who age out will be homeless. They will go straight from the system to the streets. Church, the foster system needs Jesus. The foster system needs us. The foster system needs Christians to be on the front lines, actively loving those kids. They need that. And we are the ones who have to step up and do it. We are the ones who have to make the conscious decision to actually go through with it and to actually love these kids in the name of Jesus. So finally, um, Stealing is something that is born out of a lack of contentment with what we have. And we are called to go from stealing to contentment to generosity. Um, But also stealing can be the result of seemingly no other choice. Sometimes stealing is a last resort. Sometimes we have to choose between stealing or not having food to eat or stealing and not having the medicine that we need. And if that's you, here today, if you feel like you have no other option but to steal, then please come talk to one of us. 
If you feel like you are backed into a corner so much that you have to take from somebody else, then please come talk to somebody and we will help you. And church, if you are somebody who does not feel like they have to steal in order to survive, then you need to be people who are ready and willing to give to the people who ask from you. You have to be ready and willing um, to step up and to minister to the people um, and give them the need that they have. Because not only will you be saving them from a physical need by providing that, but you will be keeping them accountable and you will save them from the spiritual issue of the sin that they feel like they have to do. So you're not only providing them with a physical need that they have, but you are giving them a spiritual backing where they no longer have to steal in order to survive. So be ready to do that. Be ready to love the people in your communities. We are called to move from stealing and contentment and we can be content because Christ truly, truly is enough for us. And then out of that contentment, every single one of us is called to live generous lives, loving people around us and being offensive with the way that we are building the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for everything you are, and we thank you so much um, that you have given your son for us. Father, I ask that um, we would learn to be content with what we have, and that we would learn to be generous out of that contentment. Father, show us where we're supposed to serve. Show us where we're supposed to give up our time, or our possessions, or our space. God, I ask that you would move within us, and Holy Spirit, that you would be moving powerfully in here today. Father, we love you a lot. In your name we pray, amen.